Now, I'm going to make a confession this morning. I missed the worship meeting when they planned this series and set this scripture text, and I'm not going to use it this morning, okay? Um, I guess that's the pastor's right to preach on what he wants to preach on. Now, it is the theme, but you read Matthew 1, 18 through 21 and see what you can do with that. So, I'm going to be preaching on James this morning because we're going to be talking about a faith that is engaged and a faith that is rich in experience. Now, we have in this series been addressing under the theme of get rich quick the richness of our values here at Lover's Lane, which are worship, learn, and engage. Last week we talked about the value of, of learn. And, and, and how important it is for us to teach. We talked about the Great Commission that's not just baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's also to teach everything that I have commanded you. And today we're talking about engage and what it means to engage. Uh, what the experiential faith is all about. How we put our faith into action. Dr. William Barclay, a great New Testament theologian, believes that the primary job of James' writing, his epistle, was not to write about new truths, but to awaken Christians to the truth they already knew, but had forgotten or had chosen not to live out in their faith. And actually, that's the task of the modern-day preacher as well, is to take the ageless truths that we have in God's holy word and, and to show how relevant they are even to today in our addressing our matters of faith in a way that is full of life and experience and purpose and meaning, a faith that is about action. You know, James states it very defiantly. Faith without works is what? Is dead. But before we go further, there's one little major side trail I'm going to have to go on uh, in order for us to put this in the context that I think it's proper for us to hear um, this sermon out of the book of James. There is no major difference between uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament and James and his little epistle in the back. There's no contradiction there. Now, Martin Luther um, did once upon a time uh, speak his mind about how little he thought of the epistle of James. But I, but I dare say that a lot of what he was about, and I'll try to explain this a little further later in the sermon, was underscoring what James really had to say. You see, Paul's focus was inward. James's focus was outward. Paul's focus was about what a Savior does for us that we can't do for our, ourselves. Paul's focus was on justification by faith and, and what it means to, uh, to experience salvation. James's point was more about sanctification and, and how we live out our faith. Not that our works save us, but our works are uh, what we were saved for, to do and to be Christians. They're not 
opposed. They're like hand in a glove. It's like you see the justification, the sanctification coming together in what Paul had to say, what James had to say. For Paul's perspective is the root of our salvation, while James's perfect, uh, uh, message is the fruit of our salvation. So with that said, let's turn to the book of James. We're back in the back of the Bible to the second chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You see, James couples the call to have faith with the call to bear faith fruit and looking at the evidence of faith by works and through our works is what James is speaking to. Now I want to say that we need a backdrop to what James has to say about, uh, about works, about our good works as revealing our faith. And the backdrop is in engaging in an experiential faith is right at the heart of the teaching of Jesus. You cannot separate what either Paul or James are saying without understanding at the heart of the teaching of Jesus was, was really the, the commandment, that great commandment that Jesus taught about, preached about, told parables about, and that was this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that's the backdrop. We can do good through the Rotary Club. We can do good through the Junior League. But when we do good as Christians, it is in the name and the spirit of the author of love, in our showing our love as we're doing today in our worship of God and going forth this day into the world to be God's love in action. 
But we tend to be a people who really do want more proof about what it means to be Christian. We tend to be a people who might even look toward the need for a litmus test in determining who is a real Christian and who is not a real Christian. You know, I think that what James is getting at is a maturing of faith that that is a living out the love of Christ in all that we do. And sometimes we tend to get into the trap, a, a legalism trap, of there are things that we do that are not Christian that, that, that we want to name and everybody should be the same. You know, maybe drinking or cursing and action like that's a telltale. I remember when I was a child in the 60s, more of a childish understanding of faith I might have, is that we knew who were Christians and who were not Christians by drinking and cursing and smoking. I mean, that was not Christian. Stealing candy at Mr. Tucker's store, that was certainly not Christian. Bullying Michael Walters because he was so easy to pick on was not Christian. And looking at dirty magazines in the treehouse, that wasn't Christian either. And you know, when we start thinking about acts, and, and we start separating who's Christian and who's not by, by, by acts, we forget that the backdrop to our acts of faith are really tested by one thing, and that is the love of God that's lived out in the love of neighbor together. You know, there are more important matters that separate the sheep from the goats in some of our minds. Don't we know, want to know, don't we need to know what is the, the right place for the sheep regarding how we view Scripture? Matters of authority, matters in some circles, inerrancy or infallible word of God, inspiration. And because there are some who see it one way and others who see it differently, you, you know, isn't there a need to say who's right related to the Bible? I mean, this is the foundation. It is our source. And yet every Sunday I look at people who see, see this as the foundation of our faith and interpret it differently. View it differently. The test is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Okay? Well, surely there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a black and there's a white related to what is Christian and social issues. <laughs> Abortion. Divorce, sexuality, gun, gun control. I'm not going to go there this morning, anywhere there this morning. Aren't you glad? But is there a Christian way to see these things and a non-Christian way? And, and what about political issues or theological issues? The way we view creationism. Isn't there just one way? Or are the Ten Commandments in a public place? 
or whether we should have prayer right after the Pledge of Allegiance. When we start deciding who is Christian and who is not based on these things, we find ourselves divided. When we see ourselves united in the love of God and the love of neighbor, then there is lots of room for differences. Because we're called to live out of that faith. The backdrop to all that James brought to us. Now let me be quick to say, I do not think that the church should shrink from dealing with these matters, whether they're sociological, theological, we should engage. We should passionately engage the Bible and form our beliefs. As Wesleyans, we say, you know, it's, it's, it's reason, it's experience, it's our tradition, it's the scripture, the foundation from which we, we gain our understanding of what we believe. And we should all be about that as a church for sure, but especially as individuals. We need to engage these matters, but to always do so with the backdrop of love. Years ago, I was introduced to a book by Timothy Tyson entitled, Blood Done Sign My Name. And he tells of growing up in the South in the 1960s. The son of a Methodist preacher from Oxford, North Carolina. His father was an outspoken advocate for racial justice and integration at the time, which was not very popular in his Methodist church or the community. And more than once, Tyson said that his daddy was confronted by angry parishioners who freely used a dreadful expletive to attack Pastor Tyson, in response to his kindness toward people of color, the inevitable blank lover, epitaph, was hurled at him time and time again. And Tyson said about his father, he said he remembered hearing those words of Critics being hurled at him, and he said, my father would say, yes, I guess you, you've got a point there because I really do try to love everybody, including people of color. And then he writes, Daddy was patient and rarely showed anger toward his adversaries. He held his ground like a sweet gum stump. I love that trying hard to live in the spirit of love and action, not anger and reaction. Oxford might have been spiritually arid, but Daddy wasn't drawing his water from an empty well. Paul said in Corinthians, let everything you do be done in love. And that's the first distinguishing mark of a Christian and what our acts of faith should be based on. It should be based on the color, the shade of Christ's presence in our lives that is the color of love. 
Now, with that backdrop, Christian faith being Christ's love, can that love be seen, evidenced, demonstrated in Christian service? It must be. James says, someone will say, you say you have faith and have works, great, but I will show you my faith by my works because faith without works is dead. In the 1500s, 500 year anniversary we celebrate Martin Luther's great act that shook the foundations of the church with the rediscovery of the gift of grace available to all and it led to a whole new understanding of the work of Christians. No longer was the work of ministry, the work of Christ to be only done by the priests but all of us were employed in the action of God's love and the way that we work out that salvation and the way that we live in the world through acts of ministry. The priesthood of all believers. Pastor and author John Ortberg uses the phrase, the ministry of the mundane, to describe the work of every ordinary Christian for the sake of Jesus Christ. What if every Christian, every United Methodist, saw even the mundane of their life and work as a ministry? Now, I'm not talking about signing up and doing uh, everybody's Christmas and passing out coats only. I'm not talking about uh, volunteering for Feed My Starving Children and packing up lunches for kids who are starving only. I'm not talking about uh, maybe being an usher or a greeter or singing in the choir or playing the bells only. Th these, these are acts of faith as well. But I'm talking about what you do in your mundane daily life when you're rubbing shoulders with people who may be non-believers in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, who know you by who you are, Christian, and who want to see the love of Christ coming through in your kindness and your examples of the Lord you follow. You say you have faith. Well then, let's see it in our works. Let all of us be about the love of Christ in the works that we do in His name, in His spirit, under His banner. You know, now we're in the midst of this stewardship campaign. We're in the midst of one every year about this time. I'm about to get tired of it. But we talk about our tithes and our offerings, and we have all kinds of slogans and gimmicks. Did I say gimmicks? I've been doing this for 30 years plus. The bottom line is still the bottom line. It takes all of us doing what we can do. And, and it's amazing to me that our commitments all come together to fund the ministry and outreach of this church, our extension of Christ's love through our gifts. But that should not be the only way that we see stewardship. 
We should be reminded and make our annual commitments too that this year I'm going to commit to share my talents, my gifts that God has given me in His service of love to a world in need. And to think through and to pray through what your gifts are and how you're going to employ those gifts in your ministry that you're called to, where you are called to serve. And I ask, it's quite simple, can the shades of love of Christ be seen in your life? Does the color of Christ's love bring vitality and beauty to our life together? Can your faith be seen in your works? You know, I can never preach on the epistle of James for the rest of my life without thinking about a saint of this church. And his name was Chris Berry. He sat right back there. You know, it's one thing to have faith that is not dead. It's another thing to have faith when you're dying and you know it. And I remember the day that Chris came into my office and he told me that he was dying. That he had a disease called frontotemporal dementia. And he told me that the doctors had told him that he would die in four years or less. And that after one year he would no longer be able to be a professor at the university and teach. And that was devastating news to him. But it pushed him to fall in love with where he could teach. And that was in Sunday school and in small groups. And he did so as long as he was able. If you were in a Sunday school class here at Lover's Lane, you probably heard Chris Berry teach on the book of James. He fell in love with the book of James. He loved the wisdom. He loved the knowledge. He loved what that little book was all about. And he had a particular scripture that he loved that talked about when you live out your faith, and, and you die in Christ, you will rise up. And he used to get so happy and so full of joy telling us about the fact that he was going to die because he'd rise up. But it wasn't only that he would rise up that was the center of his joy. The center of his joy was that God had given him the gift of teaching. And that he might not be able to teach in the university as he once did, but he was able to teach the book of James everywhere he went. He was able to share his testimony and his teaching style because God had given him the gift to teach. And he was going to use that gift in Christian service. That was his works of faith as long as he could possibly do it. I marvel. At his passion. At his joy that seemed to increase as his dementia began to take over his brain. And it was the book of James that he found life in. 
You know, I pray this morning as we contemplate what it means to have a faith rich in experience. That we will think of those examples in our lives that have changed our way of thinking, our way of believing, because their impact of faith was so active, so oriented toward living out the love of Christ that we'll never be the same because of it. I have so many people that I could name, but when I preach on James, I think of Chris Berry, and it makes me smile. His death was not a sad one. It was a celebration. Even though the days were too short for him, The way he lived out those days by living out his faith changed lives. I know his preacher was one of those lives changed. And and whose life are you changing? read Tyson's words about his dad I think about how blessed that dad was to have a son who saw the shade of Christ's love in his acts of love faith without works is graveyard dead. Amen.